It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Welcome back, JT with you. I'm inside the Raiders facility in Henderson, Nevada. Off day for the players here. Uh, they need to get healthy. They need to get healthy in a big way, but the Raiders are off to a 2-0 start this year, which is fabulous. Fantastic start for the Raiders, and they're getting national attention for the way they're playing. They played physical. The defense has vastly improved, and Derek Carr has thrown for over 800 yards. No other quarterback's thrown for over 700. So Carr's off to a great start. Waller's off to a great start. Ruggs. We should get some calls this hour on Henry Ruggs III. Let's go in the way he's playing. But the Dolphins are in town Sunday, and they're here in advance of Coach Flores, Tom Flores, as he is going to have a big weekend here in Vegas as he's a Hall of Famer. And we're still celebrating that great honor. Coach, good to talk to you as the Raiders are 2-0. and That's a nice surprise, huh? That's a great surprise considering how they started out with the tough opponents they started out. Baltimore has always been tough, and uh, with their great defense, and that quarterback that drives you nuts. And, uh, and then beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, uh, and and how they did it, they did it solid. It was not a fluke. Uh, David is on his mark right now, and and uh, the, the, my my impression right now is that that I'm, I'm amazed at the offensive line. I, I don't hope I don't jinx them as played as well as they are. Yeah. Because they're all new, most of them, I should say. But also, the defense is played with more discipline and aggressive. They're not, they're not leaving the gaping holes that they left last year, uh, especially in the fourth quarter when they had to stop them. They stopped them on the fourth out. So um, that's that's just uh, it's fun to see. It's fun to see that it look, looks like progress is being made. Coach, take me back to your Hall of Fame coaching career with Jim Plunkett or other quarterbacks at the line of scrimmage when they're able to change out of a play because Waller is the A target. He's the primary target, but Derek is very good at stepping up to the line of scrimmage, changing the play, and going to the higher percentage play. Do you see him doing more of that this year? Yeah, I see that, and I don't know that I agree with it all, but that's the different styles that they have. You know, Derek... You gotta have Derek is uh, is uh, I understand that that's a, he loves being able to do that and, and John he and John communicate well uh, along with the offensive coaches uh, where you can do that you have the system to do that I always I always felt that you don't audibleize just audibleize you audibleize to get out of a bad bad play or jump on a play that you're waiting for that shows. The defense it, uh, is vulnerable. Uh, maybe once or twice a game that you want to take advantage of it, go go for the big, you know, go downtown. Uh, and uh, they do that. They've done that. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to see they're they're uh, using number eleven down the field a little bit more. He's going to put the fear of God in if he continues <laughs> that way. Those defenses will not like that. 
Tom Flores joins us. Coach, I think it's important because you were there and you know it better than anybody. Cliff did not get off to a good start. We talked about it last year, but we have a new audience now. Explain that because Ruggs got a lot of scrutiny. He got COVID. He was injured. And I, I go back to Cliff when people tell me who were there and I wasn't, that Cliff initially struggled and then got to a point where he exploded on the league. Well, Cliff didn't uh, really explode. His, uh, really exploded his third year. His first year, he caught very few balls and dropped more than he probably caught. And the thing is, he was so fast when he dropped the ball, he was out clearly beyond everybody else. And uh, everybody in the world saw him dropping the ball. I had to, and I was his position coach at the time. He was a rookie my first year back with the Raiders as an assistant coach. And I, I had his people look at me kind of funny. I said I had to teach him how to slow down because he. I said, Cliff, you, you glide and faster than most guys run. <laughs> so you have to glide and get yourself in position, and then when you need that extra, go for it. And then I used to tell Kenny Stabler or whoever the quarterback was. I said, whenever he gets close. Throw as hard as you can because you're not going to out throw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Coach, that's you, amazing because you had to slow him down. But once he know. got past his man, you're telling Snake, throw it as far as you can because there's been a few times yeah. where I've seen Cliff had to come back and get the ball or catch yeah. one underneath and go. He had unbelievable hands. But the what, ability yeah. – what was it like for Kenny to get the ball out early and let Cliff run under it? Well, uh, you know, he, he I said I said what he looks like, he's got to – when he looks, when he's got a clear path, or at least he seems to have a clear path. Don't wait because uh, he'll catch. He'll catch up to the ball. And uh, Cliff had. I mean, he. It was frightening to see the kind of speed he has. It's kind of like watching this kid from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, and but Cliff, uh, his third year is when he exploded. Yeah, and that's uh, important. And then from then on, uh, he, you know, it was. He was a guy when we came to town. When he finally hit his stride, that they said, "Who do you have to stop?" And they said, "Cliff Branch," because he's a game maker. He's a game changer. Tom Flores is our guest. Tell me about the parade in Sanger. I saw the video oh. of it. It looked unbelievable. Your hometown coming out for you. Walk me through the day and what it was like for you. Well, I got up. You know, we, we went up. We went up on a Friday, and we went to the high school football game. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were honorary there, and, and uh, along with some of the past uh, championship teams, championship players. So there was a whole bunch of us that got honored that Friday night. Saturday, we all met and had a few a little uh, official things to do at mm-hmm. the Sager Sports Hall of Fame, and then at the high school. And then we had a parade that went downtown, and I was, you know, okay, we're going to have a nice little parade. I was amazed at how many people were there. I mean, I was just thrilled. There were so many people there for that parade. Uh, Raider Nation was there in force, and uh, they they had uh, they changed. Main Street is Seventh Street. Mm-hmm. They changed the name of Bay Street to to uh, Top Forest Boulevard. That's uh, you know at Seventh uh, Street. Wow, and uh, there's a big mural downtown in one of the, uh, I guess one of the buildings right downtown, uh, of myself, um, done very well by a professional. 
So and uh, and then just the, the overall uh, response. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it was it was it was kind of overwhelming in a way. It was just, uh, not as big as Canton. I tell you, look close. Tom Flores as we wrap it up. Coach, what are you looking forward to this weekend again? More family, more friends, Dolphins in town. I love that you're always in town. You're coming into these games. Now you come into the game with the gold jacket. And what does that mean to you for not only the city of Vegas, the fans from Oakland, L.A., and all around the world who are coming out here to support you? Well, it's just a, a great weekend for the Raider Nation. My family once again gets to go. They were all again with me, and uh, they'll all be in Vegas with, with uh, me and uh, my grandson, uh, Brian, who's uh, uh, on Broadway, uh, is going to sing the national anthem. Wow. So I'm oh. going to be excited about oh. that. And, uh, so anyway, it's a, it's a big weekend for the uh, Raider Nation and uh, the Flores family. And, and uh, I don't know, is Charles going to be there as well? I, I know. I know. That I'm talking. I'm having a meeting after the show here in the next 40 minutes, and they're telling me everybody who's coming in. But I think the turnout's going to be incredible. So, coach, this is going to be. You know, I was with you with your 30th anniversary team. I emceed that on the field in Oakland, yeah. and that was the loudest event. I that was the biggest event I ever emceed. I tell everybody to this day, hey man, I was on the field with 55,000 fans, and now this <laughs> this holds 10,000 more, coach. So it's going to be amazing. It's going to be loud. I'll see yeah. you this weekend. I look forward to seeing your wife and the family again from Canton. And thanks for joining us. We're so excited for you this weekend. All right, JT. See you, you got it, Coach. Right. You got Thank it. You. Coach Tom Flores. Man, I tell you what, Mark Davis, what Mark Davis does for this organization and this fans base with the, with the legends is incredible. They're honoring Tom Flores Sunday for the Dolphin game. You have got to be in your seats for this. I'm telling you. Uh, you know me. I like to run around, have a beverage, say hi to everybody. Get in your seat for this halftime show. I remember when it was Coach Madden, Coach Flores. When, the, when these gentlemen get their jackets and their rings in front of the home fan base, it's a big deal. And Coach Flores in his hometown of Sanger, I, I saw all the – I ended up going on the news. They asked me to come on the news and talk about it on the local television station there in town before Canton, Ohio. And the gentleman who interviewed me told me, hey, man, we're doing something big for Coach. Don't tell him. I'm like, I'm not going I'm I'm to blow a surprise. JT can keep a surprise. And that was this weekend, what they did for him. And the video of it was incredible. Isn't it amazing, everybody, that Tom Flores had to wait his entire life for the Hall of Fame to acknowledge him? Now he has a parade in his hometown. He has a parade in Canton. He's getting his ring at the Raider game against the Dolphins on Sunday. This all should have happened 20, 30 years ago. But it's happening now. We're going to celebrate it. It's going to be fantastic, and the Raiders have a lot going into this weekend. A lot going into this weekend for Tom Flores. So if you're going to the game, it's a special one. Save that program. Save that program and have a good time. Number is 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. we got a lot happening today as we are brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria. Coal-fired brick oven pizza, a must-have for anyone craving great pizza. We're going to give away a $50 Grimaldi gift card on Thursday and Friday. Best pizza I ever had. Grimaldi's proud partner of our show. Rest of the show coming up. We got Paul Gutierrez in about 10 minutes. Really appreciate Paul putting out a tribute and a message about Black Hole Rob Rivera, who passed away yesterday. That's up on ESPN.com right now. Just go to ESPN.com under NFL. 
And Paul's got that up there, and I can't believe it. The top headlines, Steelers Roethlisberger dealing with pec injury. One injured as Superdome roof catches fire. And then co-founder of Raiders Black Hole fan section passes. It's all up there right now for everybody to read about that. We'll also go through some of the highlights of the game in Pittsburgh and what I thought was some of the bigger plays in the game. I didn't think the Raiders were going to win the first two games. I'm not apologizing for saying that. I just thought that one of the games might have got away from them. Could have been the Baltimore game after the interception was thrown in overtime. They win that one. And then when Derek went down for a moment in Pittsburgh, that could have been the moment. No, not the case. The touchdown pass from Carter Ruggs was brilliant. And now we're starting to see some energy in the Raider Nation when it comes to Henry Ruggs III. We're not hearing calls and fans calling in saying, you know, JT, they got to get him the ball more. They're trying to get him the ball. They're trying to get Ruggs the ball. Other defensive coordinators are bracketing him over the top with safety help. And how about these catches by Hunter Renfro? How about Hunter Renfro going over the middle when they need him in a big way? 702-365-9200 as we continue on. A lot of injuries. Packers win last night. Kansas City loses to Baltimore. And the Raiders schedule, if they can take care of business, beat the Dolphins, go 3-0 and with an extra day off for Monday Night Football and a home game in Los Angeles, that will be incredible. Again, Paul Gutierrez coming up momentarily. Let me quickly tell you about our friends at Five Iron Golf inside Area 15. Best golf simulators in town. I'm playing better golf now because I'm going to Area 15 and Five Iron Golf. I'm hitting the ball longer. I'm hitting it straighter because I'm sitting in a golf simulator and they're fixing my swing. They're showing it to me back on video saying, JT, you're coming down too much inside. Step away from the ball. Bring your hands back more. Just by getting 20, 30 minutes in at that facility every week, my golf scores are lower, and you can enjoy great food and drinks and have a good time. Leagues are underway. You could still get into a golf league at 5irongolf.com slash leagues. When we come back, Paul Gutierrez will join us, and we'll celebrate Tom Flores and talk about the injuries, as Paul has about as good of access to the Raiders as anyone else. And Vinny Bonsignor, right there, too. Vinny coming up here by the end of the show. 702-365-9200. We put the game plan in on Thursday against the Dolphins. Raiders have to take care of business in that game. Takes a snap from the gun. Pump fake. Going to go deep down the middle. Got it. Ruggs. Grabs it. Jackpot, baby. Henry Ruggs goes the distance. Yeah, Brett Musburger on the call. I was on with Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network today. And he said he opened up by saying there's been a lot of jackpot calls this year. And he's right. JT back with you. Wahoo's Fish Taco. They were out yesterday with me at Jonathan Ogden's foundation event great to see wahoo's proud partner of the show great to have paul gutierrez on who was kind enough to mention black hole rob rivera in a column today paul thanks for reaching out today because the raider nation lost one of their greatest fans of all time 
Yeah, JT, thanks for having me on, and thanks for, for talking with me about it to, to kind of get to the bottom of, of what he means. And, and it's a strange time. It's a strange situation anyway, given that the team has moved. And, and you know, I also spoke to uh, Mark Acasio, Gorilla Rilla, who, who was very close with him, very good friends, and, and uh, basically said that his Aloha spirit will, will live on, that, uh, you know, his legacy will continue even here in this new place. So it's, it's a loss for Raider fans, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, he is, like you said, one of the more iconic fans in getting the black hole started back yeah and you've covered all these games and since the Raiders came back and you could see the black hole when it was really really packed 30 rows deep and I always tell people you know I watch a lot of Premier League a lot of English soccer games where fans stand in the lower bowl for the whole game and and Rob his passion was to have everybody in that section on their feet the entire game and make it feel like that where that area would rock back and forth and everybody at the Oakland Coliseum would gravitate or look to the black hole when the game was on the line and that's that's pretty special if you're a fan to help build something like that well and and really the best way to put it uh jt also is when they announced plans they were moving to las vegas and they you saw the the blueprint so to speak of of allegiant stadium one of if not the first questions is is the black hole going to be there where's the black hole going to be so that that again tells you it's a testament to the power of the black hole so to speak and and it was, you know, it was, you know, particular to Oakland, but it doesn't stay there. It continues on with the team. So, um, again, just a testament to, to what he was able to do as simply a fan who cared about his team and cared about the fans there around him. One of my best friends from college, a college roommate of mine, huge Raider fan, uh, he and his brother made a trip. They called it a pilgrimage. They wanted to sit in the black hole, and they did. And it was uh, the first game after Al Davis died, uh, second game, actually. And um, they saw Fred Belitnikoff light the torch, and they, they had to be in the black hole. And they talked about it, and it was one of those things that, you know, they have their jerseys that are signed, they have their balls that are signed, but probably they told me their number one um, paraphernalia was the framed ticket from them sitting in the black hole because, yeah. as they put it, that was Mecca to Raider Nation. And nicely said, and one last thing on that, and Black Hole Rob was really tight with Ricky, and we lost Ricky Ricardo, and the Black yeah. Hole did a lot of their events at Ricky's, and to lose Rob and Ricky uh, pretty close to each other, you know, just these fans care about each other. And, Paul, you get it all the time. You're on ESPN. You do these big columns and TV hits. And I'm sure people ask you all over the world, what are these Raider fans like? And it's great to say that many of them, the majority of them, are great people who have jobs Wives, kids, families, partners, they have normal lives. But then on game day, they transform into these fans who are just over the top. I I guess the best word that I would use would just be passionate. And who's not passionate when you're a fan? The word fan comes from fanatic, right? But they talked about being positive fanaticism. So, um, again, the Raider Black Hole, the fans there, it, it, it is a family. And it's unlike anything I've seen. I've been to basically every stadium in the NFL and, walked through those parking lots, and there was nothing like a Sunday tailgate uh, in (laughs) the Oakland Coliseum. They're trying to rebuild and rebrand that here, but there was definitely no section like the Black Hole. Not saying it was better, but nothing Mm -hmm. like it. It was definitely unique. Yes, Paul Gutierrez, our guest. So what is John Gruden, what are you sensing when you talk to him about the injuries here? I'm very concerned. They're winning. They're 2-0, but they're like a mass unit. Offensive line's going down left and right. Guys are banged up, and... What do you think of the status of the team going into the Dolphins game with the injuries? Well, I mean, if you're going to read between the lines and, you know, try and, and look, <laughs> look at the leaves a little bit here, the fact that he brought up on his own that he's more concerned about his, the health of his own quarterback mm. than anything that the Dolphins might be facing right now, that, that spoke volumes to me. 
but it was a Monday, and you know Derek Carr did show up to the to the presser, no tape on the ankle, uh, leg fully exposed, slight limp, but we'll see how the treatment goes this week there, and that that's the number one thing. Josh Jacobs coming off the turf toe in training camp and now an ankle. The offensive line, uh, Unique Ngakwe gutting through that hamstring to, to still play almost half the defensive snaps. Um, th- there's some there's cause for concern. Uh, I guess the best part of it, though, is at least from the Raider perspective, it's a short week. I mean, it's not a short week like last week was, uh, and they're at home. They don't have to travel. So it gives them all the uh, the creature comforts of being at home. What about Jacobs and what's going on with him? I understand it, but it's nicked up injuries where he's like a Ferrari that has yeah. a flat tire, and you go, oh, my God, we just got to change it and get it going again, and then it's just going to explode down the road again. A lot of fans have been asking me about him and his durability going forward. Vic wrote a column about the future contract potentially. I know he wants to be on the field, but they can't shut him down completely here. He didn't play in week two. These are big games coming up, including the Monday night game a couple of weeks now at the Chargers. Yeah, I, I think the bottom line is the big contract they gave to Kenyon Drake doesn't look so bad anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, and that's the thing with Josh is that, in my opinion, his, his greatest strength may also be his biggest weakness, his running style. His body's not built to be that Earl Campbell type, that big bruiser, that Pete Johnson. And I know I'm showing my age here, I'm dating myself, but, but he runs like those guys, and he's not that big. Um, and, and it's one thing that if he changes his running style, well, then will he be as effective? And I, I do believe that is one of the reasons they signed Kenyon Drake. Uh, that's one of the other reasons that even a week ago, uh, Josh, or two weeks ago now, Josh was talking about he figured that he would be getting some days off during the week anyways just to, to limit the pounding and, uh, on his legs and to let him rest up. So that is definitely a concern going forward. Paul Gutierrez, as we wrap it up, tell me about the linebackers and what you've seen on film and talking to coaches here. Because when Morrow went down, I thought it was a blessing Initially, we want Morrow to come back healthy, but it brings in Perryman and K.J. Wright gets signed. Littleton whiffed in the first game on a play. I wondered what he looked at like on tape, not with Kwiatkowski on the field with him as he was in protocol. Does the linebacking core to you look significantly improved? It does, and that's the strangest thing, like you just mentioned, was how often in NFL history can you lose to injury in training camp your best linebacker from the year before? And then somehow, some way, that unit improves, at least on paper. And with Perriman, I mean, he's just a workhorse there in the middle. And K.J. Wright is just, you know, all the accolades and, and awards he's, he's been feeded through over his career. I mean, he's just out there just being a veteran. And you see him getting into better football shape these first two games, too. So the linebacker core, which was a huge question mark uh, after that joint practice with the Rams with the injuries and everything, is now it, it's one of the strengths, along with that defensive line, which is just affecting pressure. Uh, all over the place from two totally different styles of quarterbacks from Lamar Jackson to Ben Roethlisberger. So now they're going to be facing a, an offensive line that, that let its quarterback get beat up uh, a lot too. So this it's too early to call it a trap game, and I don't know if the Raiders are good enough yet to say that it's a trap game, but they really do need to, to focus on themselves, get themselves healthy, and put their best foot forward against the Dolphins because, uh, as you know, the last time they started 3-0 was 2002, and that ended with a Super Bowl trip. Hey, Paul, finally, the Dolphins didn't look bad. They looked beyond awful. It's almost impossible in the NFL in this modern era to not even get a field goal. I mean, you just got to get to the 30, and you put up three. They would dominate it. And, again, I'm going to go back and look at the 22 on this and get a good look at where their mistakes were made. But 
could they be a little bit on the brink here? Because I'm hearing within the organization that Deshaun Watson chatter is real. It's above Brian Flores from ownership and maybe executives there. That could be a rumbling. Could Cam Newton come in there as a potential backup if we don't see the healing with the ribs of Tua? And then the rest of the team laid an egg, and Flores needs them to show up on a long road trip out to Vegas Sunday. Yeah, and that's that's what the Raiders have to be aware of. They can't just think, okay, they're beat up. We just need to show up. We're home. We're going to have the atmosphere. We're going to have the event. It's because the games at Legion, as you've seen, with the fans there, they're a happening. So they need to be focused in on them because – you know, what do they always say? The, the most dangerous animal is the wounded one? Well, that's the Dolphins limping into town. But then you could flip it from the Dolphin perspective and say, whoa, the Raiders, they look really great. Their defense is much improved. Derek Carr is as impressive as he's been since 2016. Uh, you know, and they're dangerous, too, because of all the injuries. So, it, again, it's just get to Sunday, figure it out. There's no way I think the Raiders can overlook the Dolphins, given where they've been of late. But I don't know if you need, necessarily need to keep pounding that drum either to, to remind them. On the way out, let's promote the book with Lincoln Kennedy. I know it's doing great right out of the gate. Where can everybody get it? Uh, you can get it uh, any bookstore. Just walk in there and tell them you want to get it. If they don't have it already, they'll order it for you. But uh, triumphbooks.com, again, a great project to work on with Lincoln. He goes behind uh, into the huddle on the sidelines, Super Bowl, Tuck Rule, uh, AFC Championship game against the Ravens, uh, you know, Q&As with everybody from Mark Davis to, uh, mm. to Rich Gannon. So it's, it, was, it was a good uh, good project to work on with Lincoln. Yeah, you got to work on a book with Lincoln on how he gets from a Pac-12 game to a Raider game <laughs> in Pittsburgh. That's a story. I'm sitting there yeah. watching him on Pac-12 going, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I'm looking at my watch going, he's got to get from there to Pittsburgh to call the game, and then he shows up in the press box. Yeah, and then I saw him in the airport early Monday morning, too. So, yeah, he's all over the place. He's the hardest working man in journalism right now. I think. You got it. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for coming on, as always. Good. Good to talk to you. Take care. There he is, Paul Gutierrez, who was kind enough to write about Black Hole Rob today at ESPN.com. It's a big download. That's a big download. He writes the Raiders who called Oakland home from 1960 through 1981 before moving to L.A. from 82 to 94, returned to Oakland in 1995. A handful of super fans have made the trek from the Bay Area to Las Vegas where the team moved to 2020. Fans were not allowed in the stadium last year due to the pandemic regulations, and only vaccinated fans are in there now. But he talked about Gorilla Rilla. The heartbeat would be Section 105. And again, Black Hole Rob was going to sit in my seats and come to a game. He wouldn't have sat in my seats. He would have went to the Black Hole. <laughs> but he would have had the ticket to sit in my seat, and then he would have walked to the Black Hole. And we're going to do a tribute show for him tomorrow. Tomorrow, the whole show, other than Matt Millen, who I have booked, other than Matt Millen, we are going to do a full show tomorrow for Black Hole Rob. I know at least 10 or 15 callers who are lined up already to say, say what their heart says about him. It's a big deal. 702-365-9200. Joe Lisi is going to join us in a moment. Go for the two. He's a fantastic college football insider. I think one of the best. We'll, look about, we'll take a look at the current rankings and what's changed this week. And he's with us now. My good friend Joe Lisi, kind enough to join us. Go for the two.com college football analyst, also at Sports Grid. Want to start off with two teams that are winning and struggling Oklahoma and Georgia. It seems like both of these teams are winning, but they're not playing clean football. How do you say it? Yeah, great point, JT, and thanks for having me. And Raiders flying to the football on the defensive side of the ball. I'll say that. Watch that whole game on Sunday against Big Ben Roethlisberger. So I'll see if they can knock off the Miami Dolphins. But you mentioned it, Oklahoma and Georgia, they're winning games, but 
only on one side of the ball, right? Oklahoma doing it on the defensive side of the ball, forcing turnovers against Nebraska, holding opposing offenses to 100 rushing yards per game. Same thing with Georgia, right? JT Daniels comes back. They get a methodical win over South Carolina. But that defense now has carried them. Both teams now have critical games coming up in the future. Oklahoma plays West Virginia. They've owned West Virginia in recent years. They won nine straight against the Mountaineers, dominated uh, last time they played back in 2019. It, you know, it's going to come down to basically three games for each, right? It comes down to Oklahoma and Texas, Oklahoma and Iowa State later in the year, and then Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And the way Oklahoma State's playing, I'd say that is their fiercest challenge up until this point. And then for Georgia, they have Florida and Auburn a little bit later in the month. But both offenses need to kick into gear. They need to develop. They're running the football effectively, but we need to see the passing game develop with both quarterbacks. Joe Lisi joins us. What's going on with Clemson? Not only did they lose a game already, and there's undefeated teams ranked behind them, and those teams are not happy, and their offense can't get going. What's the problem with Clemson's offense? Well, I said it before, JT, the biggest change when Jeff Scott was there back in 2018 and 2019, respectively, is they were pounding the rock for 240 yards per game. Last year, they dipped down to 153 because of a lack of explosiveness with Justin Ross's injury. That put a lot of pressure on, on Trevor Lawrence last year, put them into predictable third-down situations, and, and they became one-dimensional. Now entering this battle against NC State, they're rushing for 20 yards less of 134 per game. Now, the, the, good, the good note is they're converting about 50% on third-down conversions. I expect them to step up. They need to run the football, but they need to be more aggressive on the early downs. First and second down, they need to be throwing the football, not running it, and becoming one-dimensional in terms of the play calling as well. So we'll see how it plays out. They've won eight straight against NC State. Last time they played was back in 2019. I expect them to step up with a short number of nine and a half. I think they get it done. They won the last eight meetings by 20.8 points per game. Joe Lisi at Go for the Two, also with Sports Grid. I think he's one of the greatest college football analysts out there today, especially talking the number from a gaming perspective. I told you I like Texas A&M to be in the hunt for the national championship. If Jimbo got everything right, the team remained healthy. I like their defense. I like their front seven. Now at Arkansas, line opened up A&M minus five. It's still there at five. Total went from 44.5 to 48. How do you see it? Yeah, I like A&M here. Now, the game's going to be played in Arlington, Texas. Again, yes. from the series perspective, uh, they've won nine straight against the Razorbacks, right? They've won those games by an average margin of victory of 13.7 points per game. The last three games, they've only won by an average margin of victory of 7.5 points per game. And having covered the last three games against the number, remember last year, 42-31, Arkansas did get the backdoor cover, but... For me, it comes down to the secondary A&M. They're holding opposing offenses to 77% on third down, excuse me, 70, uh, 77 passing yards per game, holding opposing offenses right in the area of about 35% on third down conversions. I think they can pound the rock with Spiller. I know Jefferson's an athletic quarterback, but I think they're going to take him away in terms of the RPO game. I expect that secondary to step up. A short number, five and a half with one of the top teams in the country. I know it's a rivalry game, but I think Texas A&M does win this ballgame by double digits. 
And finally, tell me about Notre Dame and the significance of this game. In Chicago, ranked higher than Wisconsin. I know there's sharp money on Wisconsin in this game. Uh, look, Notre Dame owns Chicago. I know it's a short right. trip for Wisconsin. Notre Dame owns the city of Chicago. What am I missing in this one? You're not. I think, you know, we say this all the time. You know, the lines establish books to make, to make people think, right? So yeah. they establish Wisconsin as a favorite. Why are they favored, right? They get some Wisconsin money. I mean, I'm a big believer in that. I think when you look at this game as a whole, now Jack Hohn faces his former team. They're a one-dimensional offense. We know that. As Wisconsin's running game goes, so does Graham Mertz in the play-action passing game. I think this game's going to come down to the interior. I'm a buyer of Jack Hohn. I'm a buyer of Brian Kelly. And when you look at Paul Christ on the road or on a neutral field site the last three years, he's just a 500 coach right in that area. So I think this is a bad matchup for Wisconsin. Catching five, five and a half points, I do feel that Notre Dame strikes the upset in this ballgame. I agree with you, Joe. Thanks for waiting for us. Thanks for coming on. Always appreciate your insight. You're the best. Anytime, JT. Love the show. Thank you. There he is, Joe Lisi at Go for the Two. Wisconsin opened up a three-point favorite. Now they're a six-point favorite in Chicago, Soldier Field to Notre Dame. Notre Dame's the better team. They're ranked 12th. Notre Dame in the coaches' poll is ranked 10th in the coaches' poll. And, and everybody's, the money's on Wisconsin. Wisconsin's ranked 15th, and they've already lost a game this year. This game is critical for Notre Dame. I think they're the better team. And look, unless Wisconsin runs downhill, and their physicality is just too much. I don't see how this plays out that way. I'm sorry. Thanks to Joe for joining us. He's really good. We really appreciate him, and he's fantastic. All right, we got a lot of people that want to check in here. We appreciate that. Raider D in Oakland. D, good to talk to you, my friend. Miss you. How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing good. JT, man, miss you too. Can't wait to get down there and see the new stadium and uh, spend a little time with you down there, man. Look you know we got to give a big shout out for uh, for Rob, man. Uh, this this one hurts. Um, Rob is legendary, passionate as passionate as any fan uh, that the Raiders have ever had, man. And I'm glad that you're doing a tribute to him. You know it's, it's much deserved, and I hope everybody else show him and his uh, family, his daughter, a lot of love. JT, I miss you, man. Can't wait to get down there, man. Sounds good, Dave. Good to talk to you. Try to call back tomorrow too. We're gonna do a two-hour tribute show to Black Hole Rob Rivera, who passed away yesterday. The co-founder of the Black Hole, ESPN.com, and Paul Gutierrez did a piece on him today. Just go to ESPN.com. I'll tweet it out when Paul puts it out. Really nice that Paul did that. Rob Rivera, co-founder of Black Hole section of the Raider fans, passes away. And it's a shame. It really is a shame. And when we talk about COVID, COVID's taking our friends and family. Take it seriously, please. And if you don't, don't call my show. Don't talk to me. Don't come near me. Don't want anybody around me who doesn't take it seriously. Or these media, these media idiots who don't have the guts to step up and talk about it. And how important it is to get vaccinated. Vinnie Bonson, you're next. Uh, you know, that's that's all credit to Coach Gruden with uh, with a good scheme and all these guys for really buying in and 
believing in the process. And, um, I mean, we haven't heard O-line here yet. You know, O-line, none of that happens without those guys. Uh, we had we had Wood go down. Uh, Brandon Parker came in and stepped up big time. That's a really good rushing team. Uh, uh, again, I wish wish the best for him. I, I hope TJ gets healthy. I hope that's not anything too bad for him. But, uh, yeah, none of it happens without the O-line. But definitely skilled guys stepping up. It's it's awesome. Vinny Bonsignor, kind enough to join us, covers the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review-Journal and does a great job covering the entire NFL. Vinny, let's begin. I know a lot of people are asking you about Derek Corey, leads the league in passing yards. What impresses you more this season compared to years past? Well, from Derek's perspective, uh, first of all, I think they have to uh, – their offense right now with some injuries on the offensive line, a rebuilt offensive line, um, Josh Jacobs being hurt, I think they need to put more on his shoulders in terms of a passing game, and he's more than capable of handling it. Is it sustainable? Probably not. They're going to have to develop a run game, and they're going to have to get that offensive line settled down and stabilized from the injury uh, perspective and also some young guys you know, just developing and getting better, which I expect them to do. But for now, the winning recipe is leaning on, 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 uh, on, on Derek Carr, and between Derek Carr and Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro and all the other weapons that they have, um, they're more than able uh, to carry that out. So it's, it's the recipe that they need to cook up right now to win football games. And they've won two football games against some pretty darn good teams. Yeah, Vinny, one more follow-up on Carr with that. I don't think a lot of the national media knew the Raiders' roster and how improved it was on defense. Do you think they realize how many injuries the Raiders are suffering, especially on the offensive line? Those are two big wins. As they're kind of decimated by injuries early. Yeah, um, and you know, to me, and I've been asked a bunch of times uh, today about yesterday's win, I wasn't surprised. I think the Raiders are a better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers, injuries included. Uh, I felt like defensively they were going to be able to get to Bre- uh, you know, uh, Big Ben, and I thought that they were going to get it. I actually thought they were going to get a, a couple more interceptions than they did yesterday. They came close on another one, but I felt like they were going to be – I felt like this. If the pass rush that they showed against Lamar Jackson – um, you know, on Monday night, traveled with them to Pittsburgh, and it did, showed up, um, then they were going to be able to, to, to make life difficult for Big Ben. He's just not physically where he's been in the past. And I felt like between the pass rush, what they've done to improve themselves on the back end uh, was going to be enough to go in there defensively and neutralize Big Ben and the, and the, and the Steelers' offense. And I just felt like the Raiders' offense – was going to be able to score points uh, against the Steelers. So I wasn't shocked at all at that win. The, the, the Raiders are the better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And to be honest with you, I thought they looked eye-to-eye with the Baltimore Ravens, talent-wise and coaching-wise and every other-wise. Um, and, you know, and, 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 and won a football game against a tough team, but they're also a good team. Vinny Bonson, your NFL insider, is our guest. What happened to Miami? And Miami, to not even put up a field goal, I mean, I understand Tua got hit in the ribs, but what was the problem with that team? I mean, Flores is a hell of a coach. That's a division game. 35 nothing's about as bad of a loss as there's ever been in the history of that franchise at home in a regular season game. Should the Dolphins be concerned, and should they be looking outside their building for another quarterback? Well, um, 
Uh, I think the the guy that the, the the quarterback that they're looking at is Deshaun um, uh, Watson. It, yeah, it, from the from the Houston uh, Texans. I think that's who they have their eye on, um, and I think that you know obviously everything needs to get settled down um, with Deshaun and his legal issues and what his status is going to be, but. I don't get the sense that uh, Tua is the long-range guy there. I think they're kind of biding their time. They have a bunch of draft picks, um, a a lot to throw at the Houston Texans, but we're kind of in limbo right there um, with Deshaun. And so we have to wait to see what actually happens. But if he ever goes there, I think that's going to be a game-changer for the Miami Dolphins, but there's a lot to sort through before that happens. And in the meantime, you know, Tua came to Allegiant Stadium last year and, frankly, didn't look that good. Um, and, the, the, you know, they had to go to Fitzsimmons late in the game to salvage that whole situation. So I'm not – like right now, to me, it just feels like they're kind of biding their time uh, with him. We're not even sure if he's going to be able to play on Sunday. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. Vinny, you covered the Rams for a number of years. That was a good win against the Colts. Uh, two questions here. First, Carson Wentz and the injuries. He just can't stay healthy. And the Rams, those are gutty wins, early big wins, one at home and one on the road. Handicap the Rams and what you see in the rest of that division, the NFC West. Yeah, well, great division, first of all. Uh, it's going to be a dogfight. Uh, I think the Rams are showing Super Bowl caliber tendencies. Um, you know, all, the injuries to Carson Wentz aside, that's still a really good team and a very well-coached team and a tough place to go win a football game. So that bodes well um, for the Rams. Carson Wentz just, you know, the guy can't stay healthy, and and it's just it's 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 unfortunate because he's got all the skills in the world, but he just can't stay healthy, and that goes all the way back to when he was in college. As far as the uh, NFC West, you know, I, I think the Arizona Cardinals are opening up some eyes if they can get that defense to be in a good place consistently. They're going to be a challenge for for everyone, and I'm not so sure that they're not going to be the team that pushes the Rams the hardest. The 49ers, I believe, are a good team. It'll be a great challenge uh, for them next week against against San Francisco, or excuse me, the Green Bay Packers, who come to San Francisco to uh, to, to play the 49ers on Sunday. Seattle, um, some flaws were were exposed. You don't get that kind of a lead and not be able to hold it at home. It tells me a little bit about their defense and where they are. Uh, but it's it's such a great division, as is the, to me, uh, the, the AFC West as well. I think some of the best football is being played on, on the Western uh, Hemisphere right now. Thank you, Vinny. Always appreciate your time. Good catching up with you again, bud. All the best. All right, JT. Thank you, Vinny. Vinny Bonsignor, who you'll catch today at 4 o'clock after Q. And we got a big weekend coming up here. So as we recap the show today, we want to thank our guest, Paul Gutierrez, who is fantastic, Vinny Bonsignor, Tom Flores, Jeff Sherman from the Superbook at the Westgate, and Joe Lisi, college football insider, go for the two. Tomorrow we have Matt Millen on, one of the great Raiders of all time, one of the most ferocious and passionate Raiders of all time. Matt's going to join us at 1230. Thursday we have Fred Bolitnikoff. He's coming in at 1230 as we get to do the greatest legends, greatest insiders, and then the rest of the week, tomorrow is my big show. We're going to do a tribute show to Black Hole Rob, who passed away, the co-founder of the Black Hole. And he affected hundreds of thousands, if not millions of fans. There are so many Raider fans around the world. Many of them all know the Black Hole. And many of the diehard Raider fans know who Rob is. And that's going to be a tough show tomorrow. It really is. It's going to be tough to get my head wrapped around that. But we did it for Ricky. 
and we'll do it for Black Hole Rob, and hopefully we don't have to do a lot of these shows again, but we pay tributes to our friends and brothers on this channel when things like this happen. The Dolphin game, we put the game plan in tomorrow and Thursday and Friday. It's a big game. It's, it's one of the games that the Raiders should win. If the Dolphins were completely healthy, I think it's a pick game. The Raiders would be a home favorite, but the Raiders have significant injuries. The Dolphins have an injury to Tua. And if Tua can't heal properly because he's a left-handed quarterback in his ribs, you wonder if he doesn't play, will that make the team better? If they bring in Jacoby Brissett, who has tremendous experience, has won games in this league, what will that do for him? Will that give him the ability to want that job and play a great game on the road? I don't think it should change the Raiders either way. The last year it was Ryan Fitzpatrick who came in as a relief pitcher, a closer, after they benched Tua. I remember when Tua got benched and everybody said, wow, this is big. The Raiders missed the playoffs last year because of the Dolphin game and the Charger game. And those were two games they should have won. Those were two games that they were the better team, in my opinion, and could have put the game away and they weren't able to do it. And the Raiders lost that game because they gave up a deep ball down the sidelines on a broken play. They weren't lined up correctly. I'll never forget the look on Eric Allen's face before and after that throw, where I believe at the time it was Arnett that let, let the receiver go. Let the receiver go. Next thing you know, throw balls thrown down the sidelines. And on top of that, it was a 15-yard penalty because Fitzpatrick's helmet almost got ripped off. It did get ripped off. And how ugly that was there. That can't happen anymore. Gus Bradley was in the building today. I saw him here. He's doing an amazing job. Gus has got to line him up and continue to have him playing well. And Max Crosby and that defense. Will Cleland Farrell have an opportunity to be a hero in a game like this? Carl Nassib, Phylon, the players up front, and what they're going to be able to do to either get to Tua or get to the backup, which could be Brissett. I think the Cam Newton should be getting a call pretty quickly here. If the Dolphins lose this game in Las Vegas, I think Cam Newton's going to get a call pretty quickly here to try to save their season. And they're going to go in a different direction with Deshaun Watson as soon as they're able to do that. All right. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Great day today. Tomorrow, we have an interesting show lined up. We'll pay tribute to Black Hole Rob. want to thank all of our partners. Too many to mention right now with the music cranking. But I'll uh, thank them all like I do every day. Hey, that Monday Night Football show we did at Doghouse last night was a lot of fun. If you get a chance to get out to Resorts World, find where Doghouse is and come see me there for Monday Night Football. Have a great day, everybody. Q's here at the facility, headquarters here, and then Vinnie Bonsignor coming up. Have a great night. I'm on Sirius XM 82 every night from 7 to 10 p.m. on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Thanks for listening. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.